Hello everyone. Today in our series we visit Egypt. Now when we talk about Egypt we often think negatively. And that's because of course the children of Israel were kept in captivity and slavery under the oppressive pharaohs in Egypt. And yet in the Christmas narrative we find that Egypt plays a very positive role. In fact, as Herod is out to destroy the the boys, uh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph go into Egypt and it's there that they are protected. And I believe that Jesus as the Prince of Peace brings good news to every nation. And interestingly, I find that Egypt has a very special place in God's plan. There were two major powers in the day, Egypt and Assyria. But I found recently a little verse from Isaiah and chapter 19 that tells us that God had a real plan for Egypt, Assyria and for Israel. Listen to these verses. It's found in Isaiah 19 and verse 22. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and Assyrians will worship together. And in that day Israel will be the third along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them saying, "Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance." Jesus the Messiah bringing peace and hope to the world. Have a great great day. Thank you, Stuart. It's over to Barbara. Thank you so much. That's been amazing leading this morning, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> so, this morning we're going to be um focusing on Matthew 2 um verses 13 to 18 but before we do that i just want to say that i don't know if a lot of you know him but Reinhard Bonke from Christ for All Nation passed away he was an amazing soldier of Jesus Christ and he had a massive influence on my life um as a christian and when i heard that i just say thank you father because he's in glory but we continue here to push the gospel of jesus christ amen so matthew 2:13 to 18 when they had gone an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream get up he said take the child and his mother and escape to egypt stay there until i tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him so he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt I called my son When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were 2 years old and under in accordance with what time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice in 
is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So our series that we've been doing this Christmas is called The Royal Road. In our lives, we all have a road because our life on earth is a journey. We are travelers because this is not our destination. We are travelers on earth. We are traveling. And through that journey, we will come to different milestones when different things happen to us as humans, as God's um, children. But today, we're going to be looking at Jesus' life, his journey from when he was born, the things that he encountered. Um, Someone read John 3.16 earlier on that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I woke up yesterday morning and I couldn't stop singing that chorus that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes will not perish but shall have everlasting life. Isn't that an amazing, amazing, amazing promise? from God. But you see, I can tell you that it's not actually just a promise. It is a reality. It is a reality. So Jesus, when I think about his birth, for example, or why he came, why did Jesus came? One of the reasons he came was to reveal the Father to us. That was one of his main purposes. When you read through Jesus' life, he always says, I only speak what I see the Father speak. I only do what I see the Father do. The Father and I are one. He was always pointing people to the Father. That was what he was doing. The Holy Spirit does the same. He points to the Father. He reveals the Father. He reveals who Jesus is. You see, when um, Jesus was born, we all read about Mary, when the Holy Spirit went to Mary. The Holy Spirit revealed to Mary that she was going to become pregnant and she was going to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Okay, so that was the very first revelation. Then the angel appears to Joseph after he found out that Mary was pregnant. And he revealed to him that the baby that Mary carries is actually by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is another revelation. And Jesus hasn't even been born yet. When he was born, it was revealed to the Magi in the Far East through the appearance of a star that Jesus has been born. This was at the point when Herod then asked them that when they found the baby, to come and tell him. So they went to visit Jesus in the manger, and they gave him the gift. But on the way back, it was revealed to them what Herod had in mind. So they bypassed Herod and went a different way. An angel then appears to Joseph. 
telling him to take his family to Egypt to escape Herod, revealing to Joseph what Herod had planned to kill every male-born child. After Herod died, Joseph was planning to go back to Egypt, but he was warned in a dream, so he takes his family to Nazareth in Galilee. This was all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you read in, in the book of John 8, verse 28 to 29, he says, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own, but speak what the Father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases the Father. See, that's why when you become a Christian, you're always being pointed to Jesus because the Holy Spirit is doing what Jesus did when he was on earth. Jesus revealed the Father to us. The Holy Spirit is now here and is doing the same, revealing Jesus and the Father to us. Way before Jesus was ever born, Mary even ever became pregnant, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his government and peace there will be no end. When we think about the government of Jesus, the government of Jesus on earth right now is us. We are the body of Christ. It is through his body that Jesus is revealed to the world. It is through each and every single one of us that Jesus reveals himself. That is why you should always pray, Father, let me be a carrier of your presence. Let me be a carrier of your love. Let me be a carrier of your peace. Because what you're doing is walking that road of revelation that Jesus walked. That is exactly what you're doing. But you know, sometimes we think, oh, I need to be humble. I can't possibly say that yes you can because you are his body on earth and the function of his body is to do what Jesus did reveal him to the world John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son within that is the next clue about why Jesus came he came to redeem us. That was his purpose, redemption. Um, Uzziah, 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 11 verse 1. He talks about how God called his people out of Egypt through supernatural redemption. I don't know what your life was like before you became a Christian, but most people, when I talk to them, when they became a, uh, at the point at which they became a Christian, they were in a place where they needed to get out. 
They were in a situation where they needed to get out, where they knew that if they stayed, if they remained in that particular place, they might not make it. Not necessarily from a human perspective, but spiritually, they might not make it. But Jesus came to redeem because his arms are not too short to get to you in the valley. And they're not too, lo- too, too, too long to reach you when you're near, close to him. Matthew 1.21 says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He came to save. He came to set us free. He came to redeem us through the cross. The Bible calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The need for redemption started with Adam and Eve. Because God's plan actually was for us to live with him in, 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 in fellowship, in close communion. But after Adam and Eve, there was a need for redemption. There was a need for somebody to pay the price, to pay the price for what Adam and Eve did so that we can come back into that place where we have that relationship with our Heavenly Father. In the book of Psalm 111 verse 9, he says he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, when he says he sent redemption, Jesus is redemption. Jesus is the redeeming power of God. That's who he is. When um, the Israelites were in Egypt, um, if you remember, they went there. It was a land of plenty. They went with Abraham when Joseph was the head honcho in Egypt. And um, there was a lot of food. But as time went on, there was a famine. And things became tight. And people had to start selling their belongings to buy food to eat. It got to a point when they had nothing else to sell. So they gave themselves into service to Pharaoh so that they could eat. That was slavery. They basically gave themselves. So if they don't work for Pharaoh, they will not eat. That was what God delivered them from when he called them out of Egypt. But you see, our lives can be a bit like that, can't they? We live in a world that says you have to do this to be this. You have to do that to get that. And before we know it, we buy into it. Before we know it, we compromise a little here. We compromise a little there. Then before we know it, we're shackled. We're stuck. That is why Jesus came to release the world, humanity from slavery, from poverty, from sickness, from lack. But you see, when we are redeemed, the purpose is to stay in that state of redemption so that we can then go out there and tell other people about Jesus. But you see, to do that, we need to know him. We need to have a relationship with him. How many times is it that when we know as Christians that we are redeemed, that we are saved, and then things happen around us, then we turn to God and say to him, how could you let this happen? 
How many times have we said that? But you see, when things go wrong in your personal space, you don't turn to your husband and say, how could you let this happen? You turn to him and say, how do we fix this? That is the kind of relationship that Jesus came for, for us to be able to have with the Father. When you read through the life of Jesus, he was very relational because he was copying what he could see the Father do. When you read at the start of the scriptures, he talks about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He calls them the Trinity because they were so tight, they were one. And when Jesus came, he was displaying that relational spirit with people. He spoke to Nicodemus, the one that no one wanted to go near. He actually said to him, Nicodemus was up in a tree somewhere. Because that was where he could get good vantage point. He was a tax collector, if I remember correctly. And no one wanted to associate with him because they hated tax collectors. But Nicodemus' spirit was pulling him towards Jesus. He went up a tree and Jesus looked and saw him and says, Nicodemus, I am coming to your house for dinner tonight. That was relationship building. When he spoke to the Samaritan woman, she was filth as far as the Jews were concerned. But Jesus had a conversation with her. Not from a high there, but from here where she was. He built a relationship with her so much so that when she left him, she became an amazing evangelist. That the whole of Samaria followed her. This was a woman that had no standing. They followed her to come and search for Jesus because of the relationship that she had with him. Because of the relationship that Jesus provoked into existence through his conversations with her. I mean, relationships can be very tricky, can't they? On a, on a human perspective, they can be very, very tricky. But whatever relationship you're in, and no matter how tricky and challenging it is, I just want to say to you this morning that Jesus knows. He sees it because he's been there. He understands it because he's been there. And what you can do to address that relationship is actually refining and retuning your own relationship with Jesus. The significance of Jesus' relationship with the Father did not become significant until he went to the cross. Because if you remember, before he went to the cross, people were still doubting. Is he the son of God? Is he not the son of God? Who is he? So Jesus goes on that cross and he says, it is finished. At that point, there was thunder. And even the soldiers said, he is the son of God. And then the veil was rent in two. It was at that point that Jesus made that way for us to be able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
Jeremiah 31 verse 15, he talks about Jesus is the Messiah. And he talks about him as the one who has come to enable us to personally and intimately, lovingly know God. Sometimes people say to me, well, God cannot want to have a relationship with me because of what I've done. And some people have even said he doesn't know what I've done. Of course he knows what you've done. He, he knows everything before you actually even did them. And he still says to you that you are worthy, that you can come close to him because of Jesus. You know, one of the things I always pray is that Christmas will provoke something in us, will provoke us to think about God sending his only begotten son. He sent him to us as a baby at a time where he could easily have been killed. He sent him to us knowing what the end was going to be, but he sent him because he wants us redeemed. He wants us in a right relationship with him. But you see, relationships come with a price tag, don't they? Because when you're in a relationship with somebody or wanting to build a relationship, there is a possibility that you might be rejected. There is that possibility that those people that you think actually like you actually don't. There is that possibility as a young person in college, high school, that people reject you because you're not going to do the things that they do. You're not going to be like them. A few years, well, quite a number of years ago, when I got my first job. It was in the Department of Environment and I was very excited. I was so excited and um, I was working really flat out because I just wanted to show them that I really can do this job. I want to be here and so on and so forth. And I remember I had a manager who was a lovely girl and she suddenly she quit. She quit her job and this other woman came in who wasn't very nice, and her first introduction to me, believe it or not, was to say, my name is Sarah, I'm a white witch. <laughs> and I thought, Jesus is Lord. And um, because I was quite young, I just went for it, preaching the gospel to her, and the more I told her about Jesus, the more obscenities and horrible things she would tell me, and she was supposed to be my manager. And after a while, she got fed up because she used to come to work completely drunk. And after a while, she left. She got fed up and she left. And I remember one day I was working late. This can only be the Holy Spirit because it couldn't ever be in my thinking. And I just had these words, why don't you open that drawer? And I thought, that's my boss's boss's drawer. And I hesitated, but I went towards the drawer. It was open. Normally, she locks it. So I opened it, and there was a folder in there. I took the folder out. I opened it, and there was a series of emails. She was silly enough to print off all these emails where she'd been writing to HR, telling them she wants me out of that office. 
And HR came back saying, has she done any of this? And she says, no. And then they said, well, there's nothing we can do. We can't get rid of somebody just because you want to get rid of them. She hasn't done anything. Do you know when I read it, my heart sank? Because I actually thought this woman liked me. I cried. I stood there. I was just crying. Because I just thought, Lord, what have I done? Absolutely nothing to her. And um, I went home. And I remember, I just thought, Lord, what do I do next? And the words came in, you need to leave. And I thought, but where do I go? I haven't got any other job to go to. So I thought, well, okay. So I wrote my letter of resignation. Do you know when I gave it to her? (gasps) Barbara, where are you going? We'll miss you. I don't want you to go. I had to keep a straight face. But my heart was broken. I was just thinking, I was like, I don't know, 19. How can you do this? So anyway, I gave it to her. And on the last day, I felt the need to buy her the most beautiful bunch of flowers I could find. It cost me because I wasn't earning a lot. And I bought those flowers. I gave them to her. And I thanked her for the opportunity to have worked there. Her face was a picture. It almost fell. It was like she went completely whiter than white. She just sat there staring at me. And I left. Three months later, I got another job where I stayed for 10 years. And when I left, I was the one who left. I wasn't pushed out. So I'm telling you that to say this morning that it doesn't really matter what kind of rejection you are dealing with. Jesus walked that road. The Old Testament prophets in Psalm 22 verse 6 and Isaiah 49 verse 7, they talked about Jesus, that he would be despised, he would be rejected. Isaiah talked about him in Isaiah 11 verse 1, that the Messiah was coming in humility, lowliness, and would be treated with contempt. Jesus was rejected by his family members. If you read in John 7 verse 5, he says even his own brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine your own sibling not believing in you? He was rejected by those who claimed to love him. Judas was one of those. Judas was actually very close to Jesus. He was the finance director equivalent of what we have in churches. He was holding the purse strings. But he was the one that sold Jesus for 30 shekels. Now, can you imagine how Jesus would have felt? Because sometimes when we read it, we think, oh, yeah, it was the son of God, so he just manned up and he just took it. But the Bible says he came as a man with the same feelings as a man. Can you imagine how hurtful it would have been for Jesus that one of his own disciples actually did this? Peter was another one. He loved Jesus. He allowed Jesus to wash his feet. But when the time came for him to be counted, he denied him. Not once, not twice, three times. And Peter was a man that was very close to Jesus. 
But when the time came, he rejected him. He was rejected by the Father. When he was on the cross, he was carrying all the sin of the world. And God and sin cannot exist in the same space. God turned his back on him for that moment. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why did he do that for us? Rejected by some in the world today. How many times have you gone out there to tell people about the good news about Jesus and they shut the door in your face or they say to you, don't even mention that name to me. I watch on TBN when they have these things, when they go out into the streets to ask people, do you believe in Jesus? A lot of them will say, no, I don't. Well, I I don't believe anything exists. A lot of them will say to you, I only believe in me because I'm the best person that can look after me. But when the man then says, so if Jesus turned up today, would you like to meet him? Oh, yes. I'll leave you to ponder that one. As we sit here, some of us are at the stage where the Holy Spirit is revealing who Jesus is to us. Some of us are at the stage where we've accepted Jesus and moved from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Some of us are moving into that place where we're looking at our relationship with Jesus, looking at our relationship with the Father, looking at our relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he is staring something on the inside of us. He is staring something on the inside of us and saying, come closer. And some of us are on that road of rejection that hurts so much, you don't know what you're going to do with it. But Jesus has been in every single one of those places. If you are in that place of rejection, maybe it's a job, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your children who have grown up and they no longer want anything to do with you. See, one of the things I've noticed in the West is older people get cast aside very quickly because the view is they don't have a lot to say anymore. They're old, they're gray. But where I come from, they nurture older people because they have years of wisdom. If they're still living and you can see them, they must have done something right. There must be something you can learn from them to help you on your journey. I want to say to you, I don't know why I'm saying this, but if you have an older relative, can I encourage you to honor them? Can I encourage you to look after them? Can I encourage you to seek out of them that wisdom? See, rejection is a weapon that the enemy uses against humanity. He will say to you before you become a Christian, there's no way God can ever have you. If you're a Christian and you've backslidden, he'll say there's no way you can go back there. But I want to say to you this morning that you are not alone. The road you're traveling on, just as Jesus traveled all of that road, 
was with the Holy Spirit and is right next to you. So in rounding up this morning, I just want to remind us that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us via the power of the Holy Spirit. He came to redeem us from the dominion of darkness into his kingdom of light so we will not perish but have everlasting life. He came in human form and established human relationships, but he also rent the veil in two so that we can walk boldly before the Father and say, Abba, Father. He came and was rejected by the very people that he came to give his life for so that we can confidently say, I am accepted in the beloved. Every time that spirit of rejection comes knocking on your door, face it and say, I am accepted in the body of Christ. Because I don't care who you are or how educated you are or how much money you have. Rejection does not know any of those things. Because its main point is to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When it comes to you, speak to it and say, I am accepted in the beloved. 